This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So how many of you found reading Luke a little bit easier? Anyone willing to admit this? You started out in Luke and you said, man, I, I know this. Uh, it's, it's a gospel that a lot of us have had exposure to. Uh, we've had exposure through uh, Christmas and Christmas Eve. The first two chapters just kind of roll almost off your tongue. Uh, that, that as you just read it, you've heard it enough that you're going, I almost have some of this memorized. Which maybe is weird for some of you going, I didn't know I had some scriptures memorized. But you do. Uh, and it sits there right before us. Now, as we step into the, the text today, I want us to recall that Jesus uh, has left the earth, and his, his, death and res- his death and then resurrection is about 30 to 33 A.D. Uh, but this text, this gospel, is written in about 60 A.D. So we've got some years that have passed, and in Bible class this morning, I was going through kind of what that development is. But remember, the church has had some years of training and teaching and building up their own disciples. So as Luke records the gospel, he wants that church to understand what's happening. Are we getting all the details? Is anything being missed for us? Because it raises to us, in 2019, as a congregation here at Jordan Lutheran Church, are we actually getting the full gospel? It's a question that at least is worth asking on some level. Is someone hiding something from me? Is there a detail that I've not been told? Is there something that's being held back? So as we look at Luke's gospel, you hear uh, an account written to a person named Theophilus. If you've got your Bible, open up. We're going to jump through a couple places. We start in Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 3. And we stop along this way to meet this person called Theophilus, a patron, uh, someone likely who has the background and the wherewithal to help fund Luke going to learn a whole lot about Jesus. And here's what the text tells us. It seemed good to me also. This is Luke actually writing to Theophilus, and he goes, I like your idea. <laughs> Theophilus, I like the idea that we should figure out a detailed account of everything that Jesus did. It seemed good to me also, wrote Luke, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. How many of you like knowing that you know the truth? Yeah. I mean, this is just this is a human thing. You like knowing that you've got the real piece. Did you ever have that teacher that you just kind of, they said something and you said, that, that isn't actually true. That, that event didn't happen in the order uh, that you said it. Uh, the most glaring are when like a history professor gets it wrong because you're kind of like, no, 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 that battle happened clearly after the other one. Uh, but it can happen in any setting. I mean, imagine like the chemist who tells you something wrong, and they say, hey, if you add this element, it'll do this. And you're sitting there going, oh, no, it doesn't. (laughs) It does something very, very different. You want to know that you're getting the full picture. And so it is in our faith life. We want to know that the Jesus that we're being taught is the actual historical living, breathing Jesus that walked on the earth and shared this. And Theophilus really likes this. Uh, he's (laughs) He's the real kind of, seemingly detail-oriented person. Some of you are not detail-oriented people. You're just real happy to live kind of up here. Like, kind of, that's great. You're up here. But then you likely, even if you're not that person, you have someone in your life who doesn't. (laughs) 
They live down here. You know, all the ticks, and they want it all. And you sit there going, can't you just trust? And they're going, yeah, I will trust them after they give me all 20 details. That's all I ask for. But yeah, of course I'll trust. Just give me the 20 details. Fill in all the blanks, and we're good to go. Theophilus wants a detailed account, and guess what? Luke seems to be made the same way. He says, you know, it seemed good to me also. I wanted this order to the account. I want to go about it. So in some ways, you got this patron telling a guy who loves getting details, go out and get me details. And he goes, you bet, I'm in. Don't have to tell me twice, Theophilus. And so off he goes. So it's in the Gospel of Luke that doubts and questions are addressed. It's a book for those who want to know, is it really as it was? Well, as we step in, we're going to jump ahead. Our reading this morning took us into Luke 9. And we've talked last week in John Mark. We met John Mark, an associate of Paul. But now we meet Luke. Luke also is an an associate of Paul. He will travel on missionary journeys, but the difference is he's a Gentile. Uh, So he's got this different background. He wasn't raised up in all the customs. So you see a lot of the customs of temple and and some of the discussions are are detailed because Luke knows these are important for people who don't have it laid out. Luke 9 starts it this way. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to cast out demons, to cure diseases, and sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So Luke's giving all the details and says these 12 people, of which Luke is not one. Luke is not one of the 12 apostles. Uh, He will be a a missionary and lead, but he's sending out this message. So what do we hear happening? Power is given to these 12, and they get to go out and actually carry forward a mission. And what's interesting is the church is not powered by its voting. Uh, The church is not powered uh, by its own will and volition. It is actually powered by the common faith it shares in God. Jesus had called the 12 together, and he gave them power and authority to drive out demons, to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim. He doesn't say, guys, go out, and wherever majority rules, that's what the church needs to do. Whenever simple majority carries, that's what the church should do unto eternity. No, it's very clearly this Jesus, his teaching, what he said, that needs to be at its core. Again, we're back to why Luke's writing it. You've got to know who Jesus is, not who someone tells you Jesus is, but who Jesus told himself to be, and then what the church has been saying already at this point for several decades. Because again, it was about 33 when Jesus died, buried, resurrected, and ascended, and here we are in about 60. So a lot of time has passed going forward. For some of you, if I was to repaint a picture of something that happened for you in high school and tell it slightly differently, you would quickly jump down my throat and say, whoa, 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 that is not what happened. I was prom king. I mean, how dare I give that to someone else, right? Whoa, whoa, I earned that. Well, so it is. You get this orderly account of what is taking place. Now, what pushes out these demons and these diseases is the power of God. And we've got to then get to what's the power of God that breaks this darkness. The darkness is a veil of anything that keeps you from seeing what God's up to. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff uh, that moves us forward. So we see in this gospel, even here in chapter 9, that they're starting to break up the ground. Anyone notice what hasn't happened around here in the last, say, three or four weeks? What has not happened? Rain, yeah. Rain hasn't happened. And if you walk now on your ground, what does it do? It crunches. And it kind of sets there. And every time you get, and if you mow, that's right, you get, all, you get the dust cloud that comes up. So if you mow, you're like, it just kind of comes at you. 
Well, you know that this happens when it doesn't get rain, but the ground gets stiff. And then we get this neat thing because we all live in clay. All we get is it turns into literally almost a rock. So if you've had the, the pain of having to dig anything, uh, it's just not fun. So Jesus sends out the disciples, and he's told them that they're able to cast out. They have this power, but he's sending them out to actually start tilling the soil, to break it up. And, and breaking up ground that has not had attention in a little while of either rain or anything else is real difficult. Uh, the first time one breaks up soil uh, is, is hard. Just hope that you're not the one who makes the first pass with the tiller. You're, you're real happy to be what? Pass number yeah, so you say, yeah, some of you are getting higher numbers. You're like, well, if you're really asking past, you're like 22. That'd be great. I mean, and after a little water and some heavy rain, uh, we'd be okay with that. Well, listen to how things are being prepared. So we, we hear the soil starting to break up, and we're going to watch the sending out. So verse 1 to 6 talks about them being sent out, and you kind of get, oh, like, you know, he's going to send them out. They're getting ready. They get all the equipment. Here's the, the reading. So stay with me. I'm not going to display it. I just want you to hear, but you can follow in your Bible. He told them. Take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town, shake the dust off your feet as testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Now, do not confuse this traveling with traveling with reckless abandon. It is not at all. Because most of you, what Jesus describes for sending out the disciples, you're like, that is not how you should go. You should go and you should have uh, like several Bibles with you and, and you need to have lots of changes of clothes and other things with you because we are just a real organized people now. We pride ourselves on planning. So most of you here, Luke 9, and you're going, this early church had no idea what they were doing. They just, they just don't know how to pack. They don't know how to plan. Well, the difference is, Today's church has forgot what the power of God actually can do. <laughs> See, you hear Luke 9, and you actually sit there and say, man, you know, we could have been more efficient. Jesus goes, no, the power of God can actually do immeasurably more uh, than you would ever fathom. But that's not always the direction that we want to go. We want to see things all laid out for us. So how is it then that we move forward? How is it that we are able to move from this passage, 1 to 6, uh, and then kind of wonder what's going on? Well, let's go a little deeper into chapter 9. So if you'll go with me, we're going to verse 57. We're going to head on. It's, in a, it's a, a larger passage. I want to read it. But what I want you to see is this preparing people to do things takes some time. Uh, if you've ever been prepared for like an internship, they kind of prep you, let you know what you're doing. Or if you've ever worked uh, in a factory, normally there's a couple days where you don't actually get to touch anything at the factory. They just kind of do this. Would you keep your hands close to yourself and we're going to walk you around and show you. So we pick up and we see Jesus having this dialogue uh, with a man. Someone who wants to get involved. This is like, we want to get involved in what God's up to kind of passage. As they're walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And every church said, awesome, new members, yay. They're going to follow and do whatever we want. Well, some of you know where this passage is headed, but you know, early on, they're ready, they're excited. Jesus replied, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. 
but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And a whole lot of people said, goodbye. I said, I'm not interested. See, I like it when we get the, the curing of diseases, and I like it when it's going to be instantaneous, and I, and I like this power of God piece where he's just going to solve it all. Well, he will solve it all, but most of you are living in a world that you've come to understand that the power of God doesn't always in power in the way you want, and it doesn't in power in the timing you want, and it looks very different. See, these people all come to Jesus saying, we're ready, we are ready to go with you. And the response they hear is, I'm willing to give you a lot, God, but I won't give you that. You can have lots of me, but you can't have that part. But the actual fruit of the church is confidence in God. So we find ourselves in tension. Am I willing to give God myself, trusting that he will ultimately provide what I need, or am I going to hold back myself just enough to make sure that what I really want is coming before I give myself to God? You know, oh, when I see the ship coming in, then, then I'll get in line. But am I willing to say, God, I'm going to give you myself now? That's tough. A lot of us would much rather wait to see the ship on the horizon coming in. Some of you are like, well, not the horizon, because things could still happen. I'd rather see it in port, docked, chains here, thing down, cargo I need unloaded, and person going, would you like this? And I say, yes. Yes, Lord, I accept this item that I see unwrapped, prepared. I know what it is. I've already touched it, felt it, seen it, and delivered it. Uh, but the church didn't always operate that way, and it doesn't always operate that way. So what is missing? It's this conversation of faith. See, it's faith that God actually is doing everything that he said. And faith is what changes a church from what some people think it is to what it actually is. Because the church is not uh, like a diner. <laughs> the church is not actually a social club. The church is actually at its core not a comedy club. I know some people want to uh, set it there. It's not. It, it's a place where God comes to deliver things to his people. And he does that through people, which is one of the hardest things about the church. God has decided in his infinite wisdom that he will relay to human beings his message of selfless sacrifice through people, people who are broken vessels, people who say things wrong, people who offend, people who do things that are just that we can't even understand. And when people in the church fail us and the people do it wrong, who do we blame? Do we blame the people? No, 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 that'd be too easy. We blame, we blame God. And when we blame God, then the church is wrong, so we're done, and we're not checking in with another church, we're checking in nowhere. But the Gospel of Luke tells us again and again, God uses people. See, chapter 10 takes us then from, hey, they're, they're sent out, and then after this, the Lord appoints, so if 12 was enough, now he appoints 72. After this, he appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. They're going out to till the soil. They're going out to prepare the fields. He sent them ahead of him. Go out and kind of prepare things for what's going to happen. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Hey, pastor, I'll do anything that you guys need at church. Oh, great. Well, we have this thing we're doing next Tuesday. We could really use your help, or we could use some extra hands on Sunday morning. <laughs> when I said anything 
what I particularly meant was I would help eat the cookies that are served after church. I should have been more clear. I'm sorry, but it felt good for me to say these words to you. Pastor, I'll do anything. But I really just meant eating strawberry, chocolate, or vanilla. That was because I saw those three, and that's what was in my mind. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him into the town where he was going. And he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Could you imagine if every one of you in this place just said, man, we'll, we'll do anything every single week? I mean, it'd be amazing. But we know that we live in a world that's filled with lots of other things that are compelling upon us. And the balancing act of what that looks like. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So do we have the faith as a church to actually trust that God is sending out workers into his harvest field? Oh, we ask, yes, 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 we ask, we ask. Okay, I, I get that we do. I get that we ask. Uh, but asking and having faith in asking can be two different things. How many of you have ever asked a child to clean up their room? Did you have faith they would actually clean the room when you asked it the first time? Now, when you applied certain other ointments to the ask, it became clear that they would do it. Am I right? Ointments like no food, no snacks, no anything else, no toys. This toy is being burned. This toy is being crushed. This toy I've already ripped in half. Or as my mom did one time, I mean, it was, I'm sorry for those of you who, like, this is going to hurt some of you. Uh, my brother loved Lego castles. And my mom really wanted things cleaned up. She actually forgot the story. I told her in two weeks, she says, I don't even remember it. I'm like, oh, your son Jay will never forget it, mom. I guarantee you. She said, will you clean up? And she went to the shelf of all his Lego castles. And she took her arm and in one magic three-foot move, went and took four feet long of Lego castles. And they fell. And it wasn't like a shelf a foot off the ground. It was three feet off the ground. And you know how Legos break? It was epic. Epic. <laughs> my mom did not have faith my brother would clean. She'd clean him for too long. Uh, and then he loves things clean now. I, don't, I have no idea if there's a connection, but my brother does love a clean house. So I, uh, it's funny when I see his kids with toys on the ground, I'm like, Lego castle. But this question of do we have a gap in our faith to trust that God can actually do things? Because we're not talking about Legos. We're not talking about cleaning floors. It's actually changing lives. Luke 10, if you're still with me, I just want to read this. This is verse 3 to 5. See, as God sends them out, listen to what he says. He says, go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. See, it wasn't just the disciples in chapter 9. In chapter 10, when the 72 were sent, they're also told, don't take a whole lot. God's going to give you everything you need at the moment you need it, when you need it. God will provide. The Father will provide. And he'll provide what is necessary for you, maybe not what you desire. Verse 8 to 11. The, the teachers start to challenge and they got some questions it says when you enter a town and are welcomed eat what is offered to you heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of god has come near to you 
But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town, we wipe from our feet as warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. This is a really interesting piece of what Luke's up to. God's kingdom is coming whether you assent to it or not. The power of God does not need you to agree to it to exist. God's not waiting for, if only Jordan Lutheran Church will say that I'm God, then I can finally appear at this point in Apex. No, the passage in Luke 10 says that God's power is going to be there. His kingdom will come near whether or not people agree to it or not. But it is possible, if no one's willing to actually welcome it, that God's power will do what? It'll move on. And it'll say, I'm going to go somewhere else. But God's kingdom was indeed near. See, we as God's people are then left with the challenge before us. Welcoming God to do what God does. Blow people away every single day. But for a lot of us, we really like some of the details and intrigue of Luke. Uh, in our Bible study this morning, we were talking a little about uh, demons and the power of demons and Satan and all these things that are kind of uh, working and playing in there. In chapter 10, we get this unique piece right before verse 20. The 72 returned. I'm just going to read you 17 to 20. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And there's like an exclamation point, which has what? Like this whole jazz group of 72, like, man, this is so cool. We got like power and demons are like scared of us, which most of you would love to have that feature. You'd love to know that you just kind of walking around, demons would be scared of you. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall hurt you. And then the hammer falls. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. But I can cast out demons. This is cool. I got like anti-demon stuff, man. It's Halloween. It's October. I got the power in October. Thanks, Pastor, for giving it to me then. This is very helpful. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. That the spirits are subject to you. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. We get so caught up in earthly stuff. What am I doing on earth? I've got to do. I've got to do. I've got to get people. I've got to get them organized. I've got to do this. There's a problem with that whole phrase. i got to, i got to, i got to. It's all about me. Life in the church of God isn't about what I do. It is about what he did. He wrote our names in the book of life. Our names are written there at this very hour. The church is fundamentally about people. Jesus Christ came to earth for broken people. People who say something's wrong. <laughs> Churches who offend some guest. They just do. And this church at some point will offend someone else. Do you know how I know that? Because we're people. But praise God, he's big enough to care for us. But Luke's account calls us back to where we are. It calls us back and says, people of God, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Signed, sealed, and delivered. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. 
on behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 9.30 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.